This is Jamie Finn from Foster the Family, and this is The Real Mom Podcast. Hello, Hello, moms. Episode 10 of The Real Mom Podcast. And today, I am talking to my friend Kristen Berry. Kristen is an adoptive mom of eight kids. Yes, eight. And she is also um, one of the authors behind Confessions of an Adoptive Parent, one of the hosts of the Honestly Adoption podcast, and one of my very favorite voices when it comes to adoption. So I am so excited for you to hear from her today. This is episode 10 of The Real Mom Podcast. Today I'm talking to my friend Kristen Berry. Kristen is from the amazing blog for adoptive and foster parents, Confessions of an Adoptive Parent. She is an adoptive mom. She is a friend of mine. She is my most highly anticipated guest so far. So hi, Kristen. How are you? I'm doing great. I love the intro so much. Thank you. (laughs) Did I embarrass you already? Yeah, I feel like I'm going to say something terrible and you're going to have to edit it out now. (laughs) I'm set up for failure. (laughs) Well, good. I like the the little extra level of pressure. It'll make for a good. Okay. (laughs) Sounds good. All right. So start off by telling us about your family. Okay. So I have to take a deep breath for that. Um, I am a mom of eight. Uh, All eight of our children were adopted. So our oldest is Rachel. She's 31. Crystal is 26. Noelle is 17. Jayla is turning 16 uh, um, next Friday. I don't want to talk about it. Um, Andre is about to turn 15. And then Eli is 11. Jacob is 10. Samuel is 9. And we are also uh, grandparents to three grandchildren. Our youngest grandson was just born last Friday. Um, oh, what a his cutie. Name is oh my gosh, I can't even. She's going to be like, get out of my house. Why didn't we move farther <laughs> away from you? Because I'm like, hey, so I was just, and she's not close. She's like 45 minutes away. And I'm like, I was in the neighborhood and I just thought, you might want a coffee or let me hold the baby or whatever. (laughs) So I love it. Um, My grandson, Liam, is nine months old and my granddaughter, Layla, is three, almost four. Our daughter really wants us to maintain this positive relationship with our grandkids. And so she lets them come over and play and get muddy and ruin all their cute clothes. Um, My daughter and I could not be more opposite. So she says this is their time. She's like, it doesn't bother me at all. This is their time to get muddy and dirty and gross and do all the stuff that they're not allowed to do at home. And you clean them. (laughs) Yeah, I do. And, and I can even wash a a car seat cover. I'm like kind of amazing. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I have to point something out. I am not going to ask you how old you are because that would be rude, but you are definitely too young to have a 31-year-old. So can you explain the math there? Yes. So um, actually, my oldest daughter loves that part of our story. I was a second grader when she was born. Oh, my Um, gosh. Right? (laughs) So uh, we love to just think about, like, what was happening 
you know, when she was coming into this world and living in her first family and I was playing on the playground. Um, and, uh, then my second daughter is actually 13 years younger. And, uh, and so she's the same way. She loves to just stand there and say, this is my mom, you know, and let people figure it out. She right. never gives an ex- explanation. <laughs> right. Um, so they both came to live with us when they were 15. Uh, my oldest daughter was um, a part of our youth group. Uh, my husband and I were youth pastors for um, nearly 20 years. And um, I don't even know. I think back to it and I just think, I, I don't know what it was. I, I think we just clicked. Um, you know, there are people in the world that you just, you just like them and you become friends. And she was one of those kids. We were on a youth trip um, and she had a book. Um, you know, and so there's like, I don't know how many kids we had on this trip, probably 60, 70 kids on this youth trip. And they're all mingling and having fun and staying up late and whatever. And it's like my nightmare. Um, cause it's just way too many people <laughs> to be together, like all the time and be social. And, um, I looked at her sitting in the corner while everyone else is socializing and she had a book and it wasn't that she was upset. She just was like, this seems like a good time to read a book. And I was like, why didn't I think to bring a book? And so, um, we just totally hit it off. And what ended up happening was that she lived down the street from us. Um, she started walking over to our house. We got to know her really well. We got to know her mom really well. Um, and her mom was very, very sick. Uh, her dad had passed away when she was three and, um, her mom was really nearing the end of her life. Uh, but Rachel was not old enough to care for herself. And so, um, we just, she has great extended family. Um, it wasn't, you know, for lack of support or um, anything that anyone had done wrong, just sometimes those things happen in life. And um, so as her mom got more sick, um, we were just able to be there. We had a couch, uh, then we had a day bed for her, and then she kind of had her own room. And, um, wow. you know, she was just there. Uh, so when her mom passed away, um, she had just turned 18, so no need for foster care, no need for an adoptive family, just um, kind of that emotional need to have people around. Um, yeah, and a family. Yeah, she just um, she didn't want to go home. She didn't want to sleep in her house without her mom. And um, so she just started staying, and then she just stayed and stayed and, <laughs> and stayed. And wow. so um, when she was 25, she asked us if – uh, she could have adoption for her. I'm going to get choked up. Oh my um, gosh. She could have adoption for her Christmas present that year. And uh, we were just blown away because, um, you know, who asks to be adopted at 25 um, by people who are, you know, eight and 10 years older <laughs> than her. Um, but she just explained it. You know, she has a great biological family. They're amazing. Um, they've totally welcomed all of us, but she just wanted to be able to say, Hmm. Um, I have a mom and dad and I have brothers and sisters. Um, she does have an incredible older brother as well. Um, no rejection of her first family at all. Uh, just really that growing, um, nothing got left behind, just added to, um, so that's how we ended up with a 31 year old daughter. Um, and then our 15 or our 15 year old, our 26 year old, she came to live with us at 15, uh, through the foster care system. Okay. Um, and just one of those, you know, Hey, I think we should adopt a baby or, (laughs) you know, or Crystal could come live with us. And it was like a resounding 
yes, we were meant to have Crystal. Um, and so, okay, you so know, let me let me ask yeah. you that then. For yeah. the the family who has only considered, like you said, adopting a baby, mm-hmm. how did your mind switch gears to a fifteen year old? Like, what opened that in your heart yeah. and your mind? I I would have to first say faith, um, because our relationship with the Lord is first and foremost. We believe that. Uh, that's where we come from. We believe that that's where our purpose comes from, um, is that God has created us and um, gives us the tools we need to do whatever we're doing in the world, mm-hmm. you know, that whatever work we're doing is good work. Mm-hmm. Um, and it comes from the Lord. And so first and foremost, I would say, I feel that the Lord placed that on our heart. Uh, she was living with a different foster family. Um, they were ready to close their license. Um and there, Mike and I were just like afraid to tell the other one, like, I know we said we were going to adopt another baby, but I've been thinking a lot about Crystal. Um, we lived in the same town so she could continue to go to the same school. Uh, so you knew her. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. In fact, um, her aunt and uncle lived next door to us. Oh so her cousins had grown up next door. Not that, and we didn't know her through that, just kind of a small world. She came into our house the first day uh, with our friends, not to be our foster child. Um, and she's like, yeah, my aunt and uncle live next door, <laughs> you know, and it was just one of those, our paths had probably crossed right throughout her whole life. Um, you know, we didn't even really know her. Uh, we got to know her when she was in a different foster family. And then she came to live with us. Um, you know, what would I tell somebody who's thinking or, you know, potentially considering a teenager? Um, I'm a parent of three teenagers right now and I'm exhausted. I'm not going (laughs) to lie. Like there's so much drama in my house, but teenagers are awesome. Um, so even though there's that growing up and, and breaking free and asserting your own independence, and that can be really stressful for a parent, um, they're also pretty amazing. Um, and so I would say if you're considering, uh, fostering a teenager, um, keep considering, keep praying Mm. about it, you know, see what your capacity is, ask around. Um, but if your gut is telling you to do it, um, teenagers are pretty great. They're potty trained. Um, (laughs) yeah, that sounds really good to me right now. They say they're potty trained. That is like a leg up from everyone else in my house. Seriously. So, (laughs) It's so great. Um, all, we fostered a, a, not a lot of teenagers. I don't know how many I'd have to stop and count, um, but kind of a lot of teenagers. And we had some of the funniest kids come through our home. I'm serious. Kids who are going through like the worst time ever, right? And these kids are hilarious. We still are telling funny jokes from, you know, remember when so-and-so said such and such at the dinner table and it was terrible. Or like, remember when so-and-so burped at the table and found out really quick that that's like my number one rule is that you don't ever burp in my house ever. Of Um, all the things that I bet you let go in your family and in your home. Oh my gosh. You can pretty much use any four letter word you want, but if you belch at my you you are done. So. so funny. You know, another thing you said, I think could be part of it, the fact that you knew her and not that you have to know a child for your heart to be open to it. But I've just seen the power of rather than, oh, teenagers in foster care, 
getting to know a specific child and getting to meet and see a child helps your heart to engage in a completely different way of, of it's not as scary as it seems. And I've just seen that across the board as people get exposed to foster care and adoption, like, oh, this thing that I thought it was, it's not. And I think that probably, I mean, yes, had something to do with it of just like, it's this girl that we, we know what her need is, not just this nameless, faceless, like foster child. Yes. So incidentally, we were just talking to Jamie Cobb uh, today about um, just this idea that you don't know what needs are out there until you know. And so when you become aware of something, um, then you can be moved to action. And so, um, you know, the same is true for uh, adopting or fostering an older child. Um, You don't know until you know. And so for our daughter, Crystal, um, you know, it wasn't an issue of us waking up and saying, you know, what we'd like to do is foster teenagers. It was an issue of us saying, Hey, you know, Crystal, she's in our youth group. Um, she's a pretty fun kid. Um, so she's going to be needing a different place to live pretty soon. Wow. What would that look like? Um, she would have needed to move to a different school, maybe move to a different church, a different youth group, different friend group, that sort of thing. And um, yes, we were moved toward compassion for her, moved toward, uh, you know, doing something for her, but also just out of this relationship um, with her. Um, she's just a nice kid. And, uh, you know, so for Mike and I, it's it was really this um, once you become aware, once you see the person uh, that is behind this need, um, you know, you realize that it is, um, you know, maybe not just your obligation to move into action, but, um, you know, also your joy to be in relationship with this other person. That's so good. I love that. So let's talk a little bit more just about the realities of adoption. We only are a year and a half into adoption with our two young kids, um, but already the realities of, of adoption and the brokenness of it all are just in my face often. And I'm surprised. I think when I first thought we should adopt, in my mind, I had this very naive, closed sort of you adopt and then you all move on and live happily ever after. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you don't live everly, happily ever after, but it really is just adoption is a day where it happens and then you're a family and then that day is sort of just a happy thing that we celebrate. And I don't think that I had a really good grasp on how adoption would be a part of our lives probably every day for the rest of our lives. Yeah. Sometimes I think that it was like God's mercy that I was naive to it, that I went into this like, oh, this is great. We should do this and and they'll thank us forever and they'll be our kids and we'll all live happily right. ever after. Right. So can you talk about what, you know, I know they're just your kids and that's the reality. They're just your kids. Right. But also talk about the other part of... They're not just your kids. There are certain ways yeah. that adoption touches your life on a day-to-day basis. What does that look like in your home? Oh, gosh. I have so many thoughts about that because I, I think that, um, you know, we're pretty naive too. Um, here's this child. The child needs a home. Of course, our first adoption was an infant adoption. So um, I've been there since 
she was eight minutes old. Um, and now I'm her mom. And so we go on with our life and we're the Barry family. Right. Um, a lot of times I compare adoption to marriage. Um, when Mike and I got married, we became a family, but I didn't cease to be the person that I was for 21 years mm. before that. Um, I carried every good thing, every bad thing, every part of my personality, um, my perspective on things, my memories. I carried all of that into this new life with my new family. Um, and my kids do that too. So they don't cease to be the child that they were before um, because they now have a new last name or a new mom and dad. Um, so I would say that that's one way that adoption um, is a part of our everyday life. Our children are who they that been is the day they were born so <laughs> since they were conceived. So yeah, Kristen, that is so good. I don't know why that thought has never entered my mind. I am no less Alan's wife, but I am still who I've, I love that. I've never, my mind has never gone there. I love that. Okay. Well, continue. you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> keep giving me good things. Just keep talking. <laughs> okay. So I would say, you know, secondly, uh, kind of where my mind goes to in that also is, yes, my kids are just my kids. Um, uh, my daughter just the other day, uh, she's 17, she was at school, and a kid kept saying to her, yes, but do your parents have any of their own kids? And she was getting really irritated. And so my kids know to educate people, and they know to be firm, and they know they don't have to tell their story if they don't want to. Um, but she kept trying to educate nicely. She was like, well, my parents don't have any biological children, but we are all their real children. You know, and so she keeps responding back with the appropriate language and the girl is just not cluing in. Um, so, you know, to some extent, we're just who we are. Um, we're just the Barry family and we all fit just how we're supposed to. And that's that. Um, at the same time, I think that it is important that we always remember that our family was created out of loss. And um, no matter how our kids came to live with us, they lost something else first. Right. Um, with our eight children, we have the whole array of responses to that loss. Mm. Um, everything from my one daughter who's just about to turn 16. She will sometimes just roll her eyes at us. She's like, oh my gosh, I don't remember anyone else. Stop asking if I'm sad about my adoption or was I thinking about my birth mom? She's like, yeah, she seems cool. It's awesome. I like her a lot. I also live here and I don't know anything else. You know, <laughs> she's funny, but that's, that's kind of her personality. She's like, no, I love that you love my birth mom, but like, I'm really cool. I'll let you know if yeah. I'm struggling. I'm not struggling today, you know? Um, all the way down to my youngest is, um, gosh, he grieves his story deeply. Um, and that's also kind of his personality. Hmm. Um, and he was, he came to live with us uh, at three days old. Um, so this isn't based on, you know, a, a five-year memory of this first family. This is based on his deep um, need to know where he came from and who he looks like and where he belongs and what is his identity. Um, he very much, he's only nine years old. He very much struggles with who am I in this world? Um, 
am I the child of these first two parents? Am I the child of Mike and Kristen? Am I, you know, what am I? Um, And so I would say we have all ends of the spectrum. I'm interrupting my chat to make sure that you know about the Real Mom Podcast landing page. You can find it at www.realmompodcast.com. There, I connect you to my guests. I connect you to all the resources and books and recipes and shows and everything that we discuss. That will be the best place for you to get the Real Mom Podcast experience. Visit there, www.realmompodcast.com. Okay, so that leads me then to this question, which is how have you, and take me sort of through the stages. So, but how have you discussed your children's stories with them? You know, you just said that you ask your daughter when clearly it's not even on her mind. And then you have a son who's thinking about it, struggling with it all the time. What did it look like through the stages? So, you know, I have a three-year-old and a four-year-old hit that, then hit, you know, I've heard as they get older and then puberty and then like it just coming up at different times. What does that look like in your home? Yeah, I would say um, in in terms of telling our child their story or or sharing in their story with them, um, at first when your child is an infant, you're going to tell them the things that you know, um, and they really can't participate in that conversation at that point. So um, I would say if you have an infant, practice telling the story then. Um, We do focus on a lot of positive. Uh, We don't lie to our kids. but as our children were infants, uh, we fed them a bottle, we rocked in the rocking chair, and we said things like, your eyes are so beautiful, just like your birth mom. Um, the day I met you, you know, this is what I thought when I saw you. You're so beautiful. I love hearing your voice, the smile. <laughs> you know, uh, we shared that story as they were infants. Um, it's just really good practice. Um, you might stumble over your words, and later you think, I am not going to share it that way again. That you know, that's not what I was going for. But you're practicing with the baby, so it's good. Um, I, I would say, as the child gets, they begin to participate then in the telling of that story. And so, um, you know, as you have a three-year-old, you might say, um, "You know what I thought the first day that I saw you," and they may say, "Oh, I know, I know. You you were so excited. You called Daddy right away and and told him I was coming." Um, you know, whatever their story is, they begin to participate in that. Um, As they get older, then they will ask the questions that are on their heart. Um, And so I'd want to interject here, I guess, and just say, listen, uh, you need to know your children, you need to be listening, you need to be aware that there is another story to be told here in this child's life. Um, And you need to be anticipating and ready for it whenever it comes. Um, So as they begin to be three or four years old, um, you're still telling that story. I remember the first time I saw you, you know, this is the joy of my heart. One of the things that a friend of mine used to say to her children all the time, she would say, why are you so beautiful? And I loved it. It was so cute because her daughter would respond back to her because Jesus made me. <laughs> and um, I don't know why. I just thought that was the cutest thing. And so when my kids were born, I started asking that. Um, and my kids have, uh, Oh, they always say, because Jesus made me, you know, and sometimes they're rolling their eyes. I'm 17. Oh my gosh, <laughs> yeah. because made me. You told me already. Um, but some of those dialogues that just become a part of who we are in the family. 
Um, sometimes my kids will surprise me and they'll say, you know, because I smile like my birth mom. Well, I was looking for the, because Jesus made me, you know, or because you love me so much. And sometimes <laughs> they want to talk about more. Um, so just keeping the conversation open, um, age appropriate. Uh, it's okay to stop. Uh, when your child asks you a question, it's okay to stop and say, I need to think about the answer for a minute. Mm. Uh, there have, there have been times, there will be times, um, when your child asks you something that, um, they're just not old enough to hear yet. Um, and I'm not saying that we keep secrets from our children. Um, but it's okay to stop and say, you know, in your own mind, I have to think of a way to tell this in a truthful way, um, that is age appropriate and not scary, you know, or not, um, too sad. Um, we do always tell our kids the truth. Uh, so if one of our children asks, um, where's my birth dad or where's my birth mom right now? If we know the answer, we tell the answer. Um, that may be anything from what state they're living in to, yeah, they are in prison right now. Um, or they're out of prison and, you know, I think they're living in such and such a place. Um, we are honest because, um, well, I think we put ourselves in our kids' shoes and we think, you know, they're not stupid. They know there's more to this story. Um, and what would I have wanted my mom and dad to say to me if I'd asked this question? Um, I hate when somebody knows something and doesn't tell me. Mm. That feels terrible, you know? Um, so have there been times where you have said uh, something like, you know, I feel like I, I would like to have this conversation you know, maybe, how about you ask me again sometime or, you know, where you're trying to put off the question? Because I'm just thinking, you know, private adoption is one thing. And I think that's kind mm -hmm. of how I always thought I was going to adopt. Oh, your yeah. mom will take care of you and she loves you yeah. enough to. But when you start getting into suicide, abuse, uh, some yeah. of these more difficult, where I'm thinking I wouldn't want to lie I refuse to lie, but I cannot answer that question. Yeah. If you're asking me that when you're five. Yes, absolutely. Um, I, I would say, and maybe I've told you this story before. Um, our kids, our kids are really open about questions just in general, uh, particularly about sex. Um, that means you're doing something right, girl. I That's guess great. <laughs> if you knew the things that my kids had asked me. <laughs> hey, they're asking you and they're not asking oh my the God. internet and they're not asking someone random. That's how it should be. Right, right. So um, we were at a farm here in Indiana watching a cow be born. You know, one is born every 15 minutes at this farm and you can go into this observation area and watch a cow be born. Um, and so my son leans over and says, how does the cow get out, mama? And so I launch into this whole explanation on how the cow is conceived and how the cow grows inside its mom and how the cow gets out. And uh, my son sits there for a second and I, he was a little, I remember how old he was, eight maybe. And uh, he pauses for a second and he says, I meant, how does the cow get out of the barn? <laughs> Nobody stopped me. My oh, older teenage daughters are watching. <laughs> They're like, mom, we just wanted to see how far you were going to go. Um, I say that to say, sometimes in these questions, um, we need to ask another question. 
what are you thinking? Oh, you're wondering where your, your birth dad is right now. What are you thinking? Um, where do you think he might be? Sometimes our kids ask, we know the answer um, and we know it's too heavy to carry right now. Um, and we may, we may be conflicted over something that they've been asking, asking if he likes to shop at Target or Walmart. You know, I don't know. Uh, sometimes we need to find out where is your brain going mm-hmm. right now? Um, and I, I would say responding back with a question is a good first step. What are you thinking right now? Um, I also think uh, stopping and explaining it that way. Some things are too heavy for right now. Um, so I can tell you, um, yes, I, I don't mean to be focusing so much on prison. Not all my kids' birth parents are in prison. I want to make that clear. Um, but maybe if prison is the example. Sure. Um, yes. Yes, he is in prison right now. Well, what did he do? He made a bad choice. Yes, but what was the bad choice? Um, That's where I I think we can let a child know. Right now, at five years old, this this burden is too heavy, Hmm. you know. And and I want to let you know. I will tell you the whole truth. Can we wait one more year? Hmm. Um, You know, maybe it's even a subject of, hey, can we wait till dad comes home and the three of us talk together? can we go get a cup of hot chocolate and the donut? Cause you're going to need like all the sugar to handle what I'm about <laughs> to tell you. I think it's okay to, to put it off a little and say, I am always going to tell you the truth. Have I always told you the truth? Yes. I will always tell you, even when it's embarrassing, even when it's hard, I will always tell you the truth. But right now I want to tell you what you can hold at, at five years old yeah, or at 10 That's years old. really good. All right. Tell me if this may not be something that you want to talk about, but have your kids asked to see their parents, to know their parents? Yeah. So um, we have all open adoptions. Um, We had seven open adoptions and one closed until about a year ago. Um, And how many of those were through foster care? Six. Wow. Okay. Because like in New Jersey, are they officially open or you just have, you keep them open? Because in New Jersey, they don't even do open adoptions. Oh. Through the state. Like if it's through foster care, it's not even an option. Oh my goodness. No. Um, They're written into our adoption. Yeah, we don't um, Our post-adoption agreement. Okay. That is so interesting. I didn't know that. So yeah. Um. Before our kids were adopted in Indiana, that's basically what we do. You sit down, you go through your post-adoption agreement. Um, Both parties agree or, you know, all six parties. By the time you get to adoption, the judge agrees, the caseworker agrees, the CASA agrees. Um, It is, I don't know if I want to go into that. It's not legally binding. Um, I don't know that there would be any repercussions if we promised something and didn't follow through. Um, but we are people of integrity, so we do right. follow through. Right. Um, so that's the way it works here. So yeah, all six of our adoptions from foster care are open. Um, and we know biological parents, we know extended family, grandparents, cousins. Um, our kids have met so many family members. Um, or our little ones, our older ones obviously already knew their biological families and they've stayed in contact. Our one closed adoption was a private adoption, and that was her birth mom's choice. Um, But my daughter was begging to know who she was, Mm. and 
I kind of like a crazy woman started hunting her down on the internet, like, like for a solid six years, like I thought about it all the time. Um, and finally, I don't know if I don't, I don't want to put, yeah, I don't want to put this on the Lord, but I think the Lord woke me up one night and told me something. I sat up in bed and I thought, I think she goes by a different name than her given name. I have children who go by their middle name, if that makes sense. And I sat up in bed and all of us went, I'm looking for the wrong name. Um, and I got back online and I found her that night. So, um, anyways, so we connected, um, she's so sweet. And my daughter got to meet her at almost 15 years old. She met her birth mom for the first time. And, um, they were so exactly alike. It was crazy. Oh my God. So both really introverted, really shy, really tall, really beautiful. Um, but it was crazy. So, um, now we have all eight our open adoptions. Wow. Wow. That is, I kind of am going to ask you to come on again so that we can just talk more about this. Cause I'm, as I'm okay. watching the clock, I'm thinking I have 40,000 other questions that I want to ask okay. you and some Sounds pertaining good. directly to this. So I'm just going to have you as a guest again, because I Sounds want good. to, I feel like this is so heavy to even switch gears, but I'm going to switch gears anyway. I want to talk okay. about you what you're doing, eating, reading, watching, and listening to. So let's switch over to that and tell right. me first what you're doing. Oh, what I'm doing right now, I left my full-time job um, to work from home, which is nuts. And um, I think I'm going to figure it out. <laughs> I like people. So I'm driving my completely crazy. I'm like, hey, hey, hey what are you doing? And he's like, I'm working. Stop talking. Um, so I am writing a new book. I just signed a contract on a book that will come out next year. I think I'm allowed to say the title. It's, it will be called Doors Wide Open. Yay. Um, I'm so excited. Um, a year in the life of a foster family. So just what happens when you open your doors. So that's oh my the gosh, project I'm Kristen, working on right now. I cannot wait for that. Can you talk one second about Born Broken, your first book? Yeah. So um, my first book is called Born Broken. Um, it is. It deals with um, the trauma that happens when children, um, when really when children come out of the foster care system, um, or uh, are in the foster care system. Um, and then it talks quite a bit about drug and alcohol exposure. We have children who are diagnosed with alcohol-related neurodevelopmental disorder. And um, it's really just kind of our journey of um, discovering what that was like. Um, it is a pretty honest account of a lot of things we did wrong. Um, I, you know, I'd have to write volumes and volumes to tell all the things that we did wrong. Um, in raising a child who'd been drug and alcohol exposed. Um, and then it is really, you know, for me, it's already uh, a story of redemption um, in my own parenting. Um, but I believe that it will be a story of redemption for my son. Um, and the book focuses a lot on his story. Um, everything is written with his permission. Um, nothing is meant to embarrass him. No names are used. Um, 
trying to keep his privacy, but written with his permission because he wants people to know uh, that no amount of alcohol is safe in pregnancy. And so uh, this was a story he really championed because um, he would like for this to prevent someone else from having to really struggle the way he does. Yeah, I, I love this book. And you're right. I think it's very real. I think you do a great job. I learned from you and the things that you did right. But I love, like you just said, that there's a lot of just your weakness and all of that all over it. And I think that that's such an example. So yeah. All right. I love that book. Everyone read that book. You're a beautiful writer and it's a (laughs) great perspective. So, okay. So what are you eating? Oh my gosh. Too much junk food. (laughs) I'm not even going to lie. Get specific. What's your, what's your junk food of choice? Oh, I mean, if I could eat potato chips like all day long, oh, that's, that's what I would me. eat. That's mine. Yeah. I love like I love them really so much. Oily, thick, extra yeah. salt. That's okay. I am like ruffles, but I'm also cheap. So I wait till they go on sale and then I buy like 10 bags and then I eat them all. <laughs> well, yeah. that's the problem. The 10 bags doesn't mean 10 weeks. Right, exactly. <laughs> that's funny. Okay, what are you reading? I know you're a big reader. Oh my gosh. Okay. I just finished today um, Chip Gaines' book called Capital Gains. Okay. Interesting. It was pretty good. Um, I also just finished uh, Maya Angelou's Mom and Me and Mom. I recommend it to anybody. It's beautiful. She's my favorite author, poet. Yeah. She is incredible. That's a beautiful book. You're right. Yep. I absolutely loved it. Um, yeah, those two. Um, I also love kind of scary books and, um, I just finished a book. I I really would recommend it. It's called, um, the girl before, and it's about human trafficking. So, I mean, it's a little heavy. It's, it's fiction. Um, actually, yeah, I actually would recommend that also. It, it really, it kept my attention. So those are the three right now. I'm about to start a new one. So someday I'll let you know if it was yeah. good. Okay. And by someday, I mean like tomorrow. Tomorrow when you finish it. <laughs> so, right, right. <laughs> Back to that whole uh, working at home thing isn't working out so well. It's like right. extra reading time for Kristen. Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah. That's funny. All right, what are you watching? I know that you don't watch This Is Us. We usually talk about This Is Us, this portion uh, of the show. but Yeah, my heart can't take yeah. it yet. I don't even know. I'm ashamed to say. Um, I'm solidly into rewatching Vampire Diaries with my teenagers. <laughs> I maybe you could cut that out. <laughs> Absolutely not. I am a hundred percent leaving that. That's my favorite so, part so far. We just. Um, I I know your audience is faith based, and so I, I probably shouldn't admit this, but um, we just finished watching. Um, Big Little Lies. We just started it. We're we're episode two. Oh my two. gosh! Is it, it good? Oh my gosh! Yeah, it was good. Did you read the book? I didn't. No. I okay. honestly, I watched the first half of the first episode on a plane and came back and was like, "Babe, we have to watch this. It's really." Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, we paid for it. We downloaded it on we iTunes. Yep. Paid for the show. You can't watch that show so, anywhere. You can't find it anywhere. And so, yeah, no. we got it. Yeah, we did too. So 
that actually I watched for me. Vampire Diaries, I'm going to just file that under I'm bonding with my teenage daughters <laughs> <Okay>. right now. <laughs> yeah, we'll pretend. That's fine. Yeah. But, okay. All right. What are you listening to? Um, I am not a music person at all. I Oh, because Mike is, isn't he? I don't love music. Yeah, totally. We are so different. Um, I am listening to... Um, a book called You Can't Touch My Hair by Phoebe Robinson. Um, I'm listening to your podcast. (laughs) I'm listening to a podcast called Fearless Questions, which I love. Um, Yeah, I I like words. I know I can't can't tell because you're going to have to cut out like 45 minutes worth of my talking (laughs) on here. I love words. So I'm always listening to audiobooks. I'm always listening to words. Well, there was not enough time for all the words that needed to be said. I'm not joking when I say I had 20 other questions that I was like, oh, I can finally ask this to Kristen and get her. But (laughs) we got enough. I feel like we need like just little sections at a time. So I got enough wisdom for now and to share with everyone else. But can you tell everyone where they can find you? Yes, uh, confessions of an adoptive parent.com. And that's the and same uh, your podcast. Honestly, adoption. Yeah, and I'm on a couple of those. I was on one, I think, yes. like last week. We just do this, we yeah. just talk to each other on podcasts. Everyone, that's what we do. We need to just get coffee, though. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, Kristen, this was great. I love you. I love your perspective. I love everything about you. So thanks for spending <laughs> time with me. And I can't wait to share this with everyone. Sounds great. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Real Mom Podcast. You can follow us online, www.fosterthefamilyblog.com slash realmompodcast. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can follow us on Facebook, www.facebook.com slash realmompodcast, or on Instagram at at realmompodcast. Thanks for listening.